Hey guys, it's Lindsay. On today's episode, we are going to share five of the best ways that you can wholeheartedly love and make an impact on your spouse, your friends, and your family members, especially during seasons of burden, hardship, or sin. So many of us are looking for things to mark us. We wear Jesus and coffee t-shirts. We have little fish bumper stickers on our cars. We talk about our children's achievements and we share our good deeds on social media. I recently read John 13, where Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You guys, in this verse, we have Jesus himself looking at his disciples and saying, what's going to truly mark you is not how many Bible verses you can recite, nor how great your kid is at sports or at math, but what will mark you is the way that you love one another, specifically in the same way that I have loved you. That is so powerful. And we are really excited to dig into this conversation, and I hope that it leads you to love harder than you ever have before. P.S. If you haven't yet subscribed, reviewed, and rated our podcast, it would mean so much if you could take 30 seconds right now to do just that. Just scroll down from this episode, click the star rating, and comment to tell us how this podcast has impacted you thus far. Thank you, guys. You may not always see it, but there is a lot of sweet in every mess and in all of the mundane. Exodus 3.8 is a promise to deliver us from the brokenness of life into one filled with hope. We are here to remind you of God's faithfulness and how His love can lead you into a land flowing with milk and honey. Join us, Lindsay and Amaris, as we get raw and share practical wisdom for all things marriage, motherhood, faith, and womanhood. So grab a cup of coffee and get cozy. This is the Milk and Honey Podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Milk and Honey Podcast. I'm Lindsay and I am here with Amaris. Hey friends. And we are so excited to be here with you all as usual. And we know that this episode is going to be really relatable to so many of you because we all have relationships and we all have had struggles within those relationships. So we hope that as we share our own experiences and our own hardships through friendships and in marriage, that you'll feel encouraged to walk forward in grace, compassion, and love. So let's dive in. So first and foremost, relationships can be hard enough within themselves, but when our friends or our spouses are in challenging seasons or they're struggling with a deep sin or sadness um, or depression or anxiety, you name it, it's difficult to determine how to best help them, but also what our boundaries should be as friends or as spouses. And so as I get into this, I want to be clear that when I wrote this episode up, I was thinking of my closest friends, my closest family members, my husband, um, and how to help them. But we know that there are also women who might counsel other women on here. And so just as you're listening through, just know that there are always boundaries that need to be set up, especially with acquaintances or counseling that might be different than close, trusted friendships. So just keep that in mind. I feel like people either go one of two ways in relationships. And if you listening don't fit into either of these categories, then you can feel free to teach me something because I feel like I fit into both. But usually in relationships with hardship, we either run away from the situation and avoid it, maybe with a few texts here or there just to like 
see how they're doing and kind of incorporate ourselves into their lives. Or we involve ourselves far too much and become overbearing with our opinions. And so it's like the fight or flight response. Like we run or we fight, but it's in the way that we love people. Do we fight for them or do we run from them? Or sometimes do we fight too hard? So Amaris, which category would you say that you fit into? Are you fight or flight? I think for me, when I was newer in my faith and first walking with Christ, I was a serious fighter. I mean, confronting anyone over everything. So if there was any hint of sin, it was a very black and white for me. So if if it, if it was a wrong thing that they were doing, then I was very clear to make sure that they understood that I really thought what they were doing was wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then as, I mean, and that burned a lot of bridges, um, like real bad. So <laughs> I was corrected a lot, like a ton. And then I even, even as like, I started, you know, growing in my relationship with God and, you know, ministry with others. When I started my own first small group, I was brutal. I mean, brutal. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how. I mean, some of the women that were in the very first small group that I ever started at the age of like 17 or 18 are still to this day, I'm still friends with. Um, And they still love me somehow. That is the grace of God because I was so harsh with them and really was like a fighter when it came to anything that was going on within their lives. So as I was more seasoned, and then once I married my husband, who is a a big encourager and he's very gentle and very kind, he corrected me many, 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 many many times. Um, And so I'm not really like that any longer because I don't want to get corrected anymore. (laughs) And I love people more probably. (laughs) I was going to say, I love that that's your reason. (laughs) You don't want to be corrected, but I know that there's more to that. And I've seen that in you. I feel like from what you have described to me in the past and then hearing this, like you really seem to be much more gentle and um, gracious with your approach. Well, thank you. All the people at church are going to be like, you should have known her five years ago, 10 years ago. (laughs) No, well, it's funny because your story is literally my story. Like when I was first saved, I just wanted to learn everything. I wanted to know everything and I wanted to teach everything. And so that meant that when people came to me with struggle, whatever, like I wanted to unload all of my knowledge on them. But then it turned into anytime they would come with a sin or struggle, it was like figuratively beating them over the head with a Bible. I've had to have really hard conversations about that where they said, I just don't feel comfortable coming. And this was probably about four years ago, but they said, I just don't feel comfortable coming to you. I feel like you're going to judge me right off the bat. And immediately in my heart, I'm thinking that is so far from my intention. Like, I just want to point you to truth, but my delivery was way off, but now really just trying to come alongside more so with compassion and empathy and quietness. So for our listeners, when we asked you guys what you would like for us to discuss on this particular episode, we got a lot of questions about walking through divorces with friends or family members, um, hard breakups with your friends, or dealing with family addictions. 
And everything that we're going to talk about today will definitely address the difficult life-altering struggles. But as you all listen, I want to lovingly remind you that every one of our friends and our family members are struggling with something. It may not be this huge, massive ordeal that they're going through, but we all need a friend or someone to lean on. And I think sometimes we just get so caught up in our busy lives that we forget that other people have other things going on with them too. Our close friends, our close family members all need friends too. And so just as we desire people to come alongside us, those people are desiring for us to come alongside them. So what I really hope that everyone gets out of this episode is how important it is to be a good friend in any and every season. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother or sister is born for adversity. We are born and raised up to love our friends and the people closest to us through their adversity, through their trials. A little story about me. One of my love languages is quality time. When I don't see or talk to people for long periods of time or let's be honest, short periods of time, it's easy (laughs) for me to believe the lie that they really just don't care about me. I can process through this logically. Like this person has been my friend for 21 years. Just because we haven't talked in a week and a half doesn't mean that they've forgotten about me or they don't love me. Um, And I'm not like that needy person who's gonna be like, hey, like, where have you been? You know, but I I (laughs) allow like my mind to go places where I'm like, oh, I wonder why I haven't heard from them or I wonder where they've been. And I've had to learn to battle through that. And recently my husband and I moved about 35 minutes away from Albuquerque, which Amaris and I always laugh about this, you guys, because she lives in Florida and she says like everywhere she drives is 20 to 30 minutes. And it's- yeah not a big deal. But for us, everything is 10 to 15 minutes away. So when something is further than that, people treat you like you're in Mexico and they can't, (laughs) I'm not kidding. They can't come see you. And so, and this is not to say like all of my friends have come to see me, but it's just a lot more difficult. And I realized how much I loved being around my friends and how much I loved spending that time And also how much I initiated that time. Like it was just very natural to me to be like, hey, I'm near your house. Do you want to have coffee? Or hey, do you want to come over tomorrow night? Or do you want to get away for girls night? Like I was just always initiating um, play dates and things like that as often as I could because I know that I need that community. I need that fellowship. It's not to my praise that I'm initiating. It's just who I am. It's what I like and what I do. But with other people who may not be as good about reaching out or being intentional um, with making plans or just making time, like introverts, (laughs) because I am a full-on extrovert. But it can be difficult to really pursue these people in these relationships, especially when they're going through hard times. So Amaris, really quickly, what is your love language with your friendships and in your marriage? Well, in my marriage, probably sex. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's the love language. Yes, it's yeah. affection and and uh, affection in marriage for sure. Yeah. Um, and then with my friends, it's probably um, words of affirmation and then still affection. So I still like it's like I I'm a touchy feely woman. So um, so people that come over to my house, I'm like 
I hug everybody, you know, I kiss people on the cheeks, I rub people's backs, play with people's hair. So I'm just a very warm and friendly woman, very a lot like that. Um, so I'm probably the girl who would forget to text you because this is what people, my closest friends and my family are always like, do you still love me? You're not talking to me. You know, we're not hanging out. And I'm like, I actually literally just today, I was even just working on my goals for this year. And one of the things that I really want to do is be intentional with my relationships because I can get filled up in small dosages with being around my friends. Like if I, you know, I see my friends on a weekly basis when in the small group that I attend. And so when I see them, that can, that's like normally just enough for me. But if they don't feel like I'm kind and reaching out to them, then I want to make sure that I'm valuing them because when I'm 80 years old, what's going to matter to me is the relationships that I valued and worked towards. It's not going to be, you know, how clean my house is. And that's such a good point because we all feel loved and give love in different ways. And I think it's so important to remember that not everybody receives love in the same way that we receive love and to have those conversations with people. But I mean, quality time and being present is always important in any relationship. And I think we're all hard on ourselves because we do all have so much going on that we have to find balance. So I just want to encourage you guys that even if it's out of your comfort zone, reach out and physically show up for people. We are intended to be in fellowship and community. We were never meant to live on an island or in isolation. And a call or a text is always nice. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think sometimes our friends or family members just need us to physically be present. And sometimes there's no replacement for the actual presence of another human being, especially when we're struggling. Even if you feel like everybody's doing really great, just check in on them every once in a while. Ask how they're doing. Ask Mm -hmm. if there's anything that you can pray for. And if they're heavy on your heart, like you just keep thinking about them and maybe feel burdened by something that they've gone through in the past and wondering if it's come back up again, it's possible that God has placed them on your heart. So reach out, see how they're doing. If it sounds like they have a lot going on, make plans for coffee or just to have some girl time. Also being present, I think, involves servitude. And so again, I'm referring to close friends, people that you trust, that you've built solid relationships with, because you obviously want to be careful um, with what you're offering to acquaintances and strangers. But with these close people, you can say, what can I do to help them right now? For your spouse who's walking through a difficult time, allow them some extra free time, schedule a night for them with their friends and surprise them or plan a date night, give them the ability and the resources to remain accountable. And for your friends, offer to babysit their kids, ask if they can come over for dinner or have coffee and love them, hold them accountable, point them to truth, send them scripture, just be active. Yeah. For me, a lot of times this looks like bringing people meals, you know, like Mm -hmm. just the people that just have babies or when there's a trauma in the family, or if there's just a difficult season that they're going through, I often, we send people meals a lot because we don't, that's like one, if we can take a burden off of them when they're going through something challenging, then let's do that. It's not a big deal for us to send someone a meal and just be there for them or sending someone flowers. I know that that's always meant so much to me is when someone is just 
does a thoughtful gesture, even in those small moments. Um, yeah. But I agree. I mean, just physical interaction and making a point to go over to someone's house and be there in that moment with them means the world. I mean, for me, the night that my brother died, um, my one of my very best friends showed up within 30 minutes or an hour after I found out because she found out almost at the exact same time that I found out that my brother had died. So as soon as she found out, she got woken up in the middle of the night and she, got, and she and her husband came all the way to my house and they just stayed with me for hours. And her husband didn't even know if he was allowed to come into the house. So he stayed in the car and just prayed the entire time that she was in there in, in my at my house, like with me. And my brother's best friend did that. And my my sister's best friend did that. And we just had people that showed up and were there, right there with us, and were in that pain with us. And so it's unreplaceable relationships with by people that show up in those moments. And I know most people are like, well, of course, if something like that happened to my closest friend, of course I would be there. You know, and we can. I think we can say that, but then we get in our heads a lot of the time, at least I do, to where I'm thinking, well, do they actually want me there? Do Am I going to just be a burden? Am I going to intrude on their time like they're with their family? And I think, and I bet you would say the same, Amaris, that it's always worth the risk of it. If they don't want you there and they want you to go mm-hmm. home, they'll tell you to go home. I know an acquaintance who got a divorce and she went to sign the papers by herself. And it was a similar situation that her friend showed up just to hold her hand while she signed the divorce papers and got her a gift and a card um, with scripture, just encouraging her about the future and letting her know that she was always going to be there for her in the moments of loneliness and hardship. And I think those stories, like those are the stories that you remember. I mean, how many years later, Amherst, didn't you say it's like 14 years? Yeah, it was about 13, 14 years. That's super powerful. There's also a misconception, kind of like the same thing about being afraid of showing up, but we can get anxiety as women when reaching out to friends who may be struggling because we think we need to know what to say. And in any relationship, including marriage, I think one thing that many of us have lost the art of, in my opinion, (laughs) is the ability to just listen. I love the quote that says, God gave us two ears and one mouth for very good reason. We have two ears, people, to listen to the hardship and the pain or just life that is happening with the people that we love. And we have been given one mouth to speak graciously and kindly in a timely manner. So in moments of pain or confusion or trial, I have to remind myself personally that I'm not expected to have all of the answers. And in the past, like I said, I felt the need immediately, as soon as something was brought up, I needed to fix it. I needed to give them their solution, address the problem, and play God pretty much. Like I wanted to see their sin worked out in front of my eyes, which is just really sinful and prideful. And so as time has gone on, I've just seen how powerful and how important it is to hear people out. Because I will tell you, there have been moments I have done this, but it's also happened to me where I'll be sharing a burden or a struggle that I'm going through and someone will interrupt maybe halfway through what I'm sharing and give me their full opinion and advice. And what they give to me is literally completely unrelatable to what I was about to tell them I needed. 
I was in a position of like trying to finish out where I was, but I was halfway through my story and they're giving me counsel to the wrong part of the story because they didn't listen. And I know I'm sure I have been guilty of that as well. So when we have a friend in need, just sit with them, like sit with them, be there and make sure to completely hear them out. Listen to everything that they're feeling and show them that you care with empathy and compassion. I think that's the biggest thing is just, I am so sorry you're hurting. Not, okay, let's figure this out or let's work through this or he's a jerk or, you know what I mean? Like just love them. Just be compassionate, be empathetic, feel what they're feeling and go down into the ditches with them. One thing that Jesse and I have actually incorporated into our marriage by necessity after something is shared. So say I were having a hard time with a friend and I were to tell Jesse everything as we do, he would listen to everything without saying a word. And then he would ask, what do you need from me? Do you want me to share my opinion Or did you just need somebody to hear you out? And a lot of the time I tell him, like, I just needed someone to hear me out because the more I say it out loud, the more God convicts my heart or prunes my heart in that. And I think those are really healthy questions to ask our friends as well. Like, what do you need from me right now? Do you just need a friend or do you want me to try to help you find a solution? Yeah, I really saw this play out in my own life when I went through a really deep season of depression. Because in the past, when I had engaged with people that were struggling with depression, I was just like, well, go for a run. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm laughing as I say this because it was ridiculous. Like my advice was terrible. Like just just go run, go run until you're happy. I'm like, the, the logic behind that just doesn't make any sense now that I understand what depression is. In those moments, I just remember wanting someone to just feel with me, like to understand and to empathize with me. And so it taught me a really hard but good lesson. And so now a lot of the ministry that I do is to work with women who do struggle with mental health. And I can operate from a position of empathy where I can just say, man, I'm so sorry. I mean, like literally this sucks. And that's oftentimes when we go, when people go through really traumatic seasons, like a divorce or um, abuse or a death or an addiction or something like a trauma, there was a secret sin and it just finally came to the surface. When women come and decide to confide in us, oftentimes the very thing that we can give them is the understanding, like that they're heard and that we feel with them, like that that we feel their pain, that we can cry with them, that we are in that burden with them. Um, And all the times that someone had died in my family or the seasons of depression, that is really just what I wanted. I wanted to know that people were in there with me and that they knew the pain that I was experiencing and that they felt it too. And so that's what I try to give to other people when they're in that season, like just last year, no, sorry, two years ago, my husband's mother had cancer and she was going through chemo and he had to watch her lose all her hair. And mm-hmm. it, I mean, it was a very, very hard period of time yeah. for him. And when he came home, I remember just 
letting him cry and just said, I'm so sorry. And just like in those moments with him just saying, I'm so sorry. I know this sucks. I know this sucks. Because in those moments, I don't really know how much comfort we can provide. We can point people to Christ, but it really has to be Christ that provides that comfort in those moments. I actually read recently from a friend on Instagram. She said that she was really thankful for the Instagram community because she lost someone in her family. And she said the people on Instagram were more supportive and attentive and and present than the people in real life. And she said she wasn't saying this to condemn those people, but that she knew that people were fearful of not knowing what to say and feeling like if they brought it up, then it would just bring this huge black cloud upon the room. But that black cloud is already there. And so just like you, Samaris, like, this sucks. I'm sorry, this sucks. Like, he knows that. And sometimes that's all that we can say. We don't have to have the answers, but acknowledging their pain and acknowledging their hurt rather than pretending that it doesn't exist is so important. So that kind of leads me over to the next point because we are selfish human beings. We think of ourselves. We are concerned with ourselves. We shelter ourselves from hurt and pain as often as we can. And we also elevate ourselves a lot. And so when other people who are close to us are going through something that's hard, sometimes it can be easy to make their time of pain our opportunity to make it about ourselves. So this can be really hard when dealing, especially with these big issues, like the life-altering divorces or addictions or really deep hidden sins, because we felt like we knew that person. We felt like we understood what was going on in their lives. We trusted them to tell us things. But then when it comes to light, we might feel betrayed or confused by their actions. And it's easy to get into our heads and to believe lies and to allow that feeling of betrayal to keep us from showing them mercy, to keep us from being compassionate and being present because we're kind of in that mindset of like, how dare you? And we have to give grace to ourselves because we are only human. And this is hard. Like people that you love and are close to you when things happen, it is really hard to hear that. But it's so important to fight the temptation to turn the situation away from them and back onto ourselves or even worse to add to their shame or their sadness that already exists. This is going to be a challenging thing to implement because it's very um, Mm -hmm. situational. So depending upon the situation and the, the struggle that's coming to the surface, is where your response is going to have to alter. So I'll give the example of what I've experienced because I've experienced many of these scenarios. But right after I had my daughter, Reese, me and my siblings found out that my dad was addicted to alcohol. And it was shocking. I mean, shocking. My dad went to seminary, was... I mean, we knew that he liked to drink, but... To, to the extent that we saw it come out, I mean, it was just crazy because so right after I had my daughter, she, he started having seizures and we didn't understand why. And he literally started to go crazy and we didn't understand why, but it was because he was 
willfully trying to detox himself to put on a show and make Mm. sure no one knew that he was actually an alcoholic. So he would get, he would go through bouts where no one saw him for a period of time. And in that, those periods of time where he would like recluse and go home and no one saw him, he would drink bottles and bottles of rum. And then when he would be around people, because he didn't want them to notice that he was an alcoholic, he would willfully detox himself. And so he went into seizures because you cannot like just cold turkey yourself because you can die that way. And so, so he had a seizure, broke his neck. And that's when we found out that he was a severe alcoholic. His liver started to go into failure. I mean, it was just uh, one of the most shocking situations I had ever experienced. He wanted to come and be around my family, but in the midst of all of this, he was going crazy. I mean, he was like threatening my husband and doing a lot of really ridiculous things that were so out of character for him. And it was so confusing, but we had to understand that even though it made us hurt and we wanted to be there for him and encourage him to go to AA or go to some detoxing place where he can get healing and the help that he needed. In order to do that, there had to be boundaries that were placed. And so I remember texting him because he wouldn't talk to me on the phone. I had to tell him over text by advice of the pastors in our church that he was no longer allowed to see his grandchildren. Um, And I had to tell him that he could see me and that I would love him and I'm praying for him and that I would come and visit him and be there for him. But he was no longer allowed to see my children unless he started to go to AA and get the help. And he didn't. He never did. So that was the very last moment. Ugh, makes me want to cry. But that was the very last time, like the only time that my dad ever saw my daughter was in the hospital right after I had given birth to her. But sometimes that's what it means Mm -hmm. to carry someone's burden. Sometimes that's what it means to love someone through difficulty. It means to set boundaries. And you that is genuine love. I mean, it was hard. And I, so if I was self, if I was wanting to be selfish and make it all about me, I would have been like, I would have probably handcuffed him to my car and dragged his body to some AA place because I wanted to fight him to make him do what I wanted him to do. But he didn't want that. He didn't want to be freed from the addiction. And so because of that, I had to set boundaries and say, okay, if you can't do this and you won't do this, then you can't be around us. Um, And so we have to be able to make sure that we are not taking somebody else's pain and then Mm -hmm. turning it on us and where we then feel responsible to fix them. And we can do this in our friendships. We can do this with our family where we see their struggles and we feel the obligation to fix them. And reality is that it is their responsibility to repent and to move towards God. I believe, like you said, we have this responsibility as friends to be honest and to be upfront with graciousness and gentleness, but to go to them and say, I see this in your life. Am I right or am I wrong? And are you going to allow me to walk through all of this with you? And it's not an easy conversation. Like those are never, ever easy conversations, but those are 
real friends, the friends who are willing to hurt you with love, with the goal of pointing you to Christ and seeing you healed and redeemed. Because it might hurt to hear that they see that sin, or it might hurt to hear that they've watched you walk away from the Lord, but ultimately your desire is to point them back to Christ. But we also have to be careful in these conversations because we're being entrusted with people's secrets. We're being entrusted with their problems and their trials. And when we've had to create these boundaries, it's easy for us to want to talk about those things to other people, whether it be our friend's sin or the boundaries that we've had to create with them because we want either that support or we really just want to bond um, with that other person. And so I just want to share a quote with you guys that you will probably hear from me very often because I love it so much. You can write it on your mirror if you want. But it says, be the woman who fixes another woman's crown without telling the world that it was crooked. You guys, there are a lot of reasons that we as women gossip. And like I said, we do it sometimes to bond with others. We do it to feel included. Sometimes we just want to appear as if we have it all together. But most of the time, it's because of our own insecurities and our desire to feel better about our own sins or mistakes. We try to make other people look small in order to make ourselves look greater But that quote, it says, gossip says far more about you than the person you're talking about. And that has rung true in my life recently. I will tell you firsthand, I was queen of gossip in high school. I loved it. I would thrive off Mm -hmm. of it. And so did my friends. It was just not a good dynamic. So much of it was because we were just insecure. And now when people talk about other people, I don't think poorly of the people they're talking about. I honestly think, dang, that stinks that her dirty laundry is now being aired to me and probably to plenty of other people because if someone gossips to you, they probably also gossip about you and to a bunch of other different people. So I really want to address this quickly because I know we have a an audience of women. And I'm not saying that all of you gossip, but I know it's a struggle that we Mm -hmm. carry. And I believe that it genuinely prevents us from our own growth with the Lord and just personally. And it really is used by the enemy to further hurt and take advantage of people in their pain. And it's when you put it that way, like that we are taking advantage of people in their pain and also advancing their pain by talking about them in a secretive or shicey mm-hmm. way, it's really empty and it's really vile, honestly. And gossip stokes the fire of our own pride, our own anger, and our own bitterness while adding more pain to what people have already gone through. And it passes the torch to others because they might not have been thinking something, but then you're like, oh, Sally did this yesterday. And you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she would do that. And it creates this dissension in your heart and lights a fire in you that likely wasn't there before. And then you just pass that torch along to other people and you're literally causing other people to sin, not only in gossip, but now in their emotions of anger and bitterness. So I want to share something that has helped me immensely. And there are two questions that I ask myself anytime I want to open my mouth. So to be clear, I tell my husband everything. However, I don't share something if I know that I'm only sharing it to be gossipy. Like typically I will tell him 
anything that's going on with my friends and anything my friends tell me, they know that Jesse knows as well. That's just an understanding between all of us and same for their husbands. However, if I hear something from someone else that came from an impure place, I am not going to pass that impurity on to my husband. So I ask myself this question, what have I done to help my friend, my coworker, my sister, whoever it might be in this situation? What have I done before I open my mouth to help her? And the same with my husband. Before I share something about my husband with my friends, which I, to be completely honest, like try very, very hard not to do. It is something that we hold dear to us, that we keep things between us unless we are receiving counseling together, that we don't bash one another. But if I have these moments of like, I'm so frustrated, I'm going to open my mouth and just say what's going on. I try to stop myself and say, what have I done to help my husband in this season or in this situation? And it is really convicting and it honestly shuts me up really, really quickly. And so I want to challenge you all in love to do the same because if someone comes up to you with something negative to say and you engage in it, that is still gossip. You're still allowing it. And if you go to somebody else, you're soaking that fire and taking advantage of someone's pain. So if somebody comes up to you with something negative to say, you can kindly and gently ask them back, what have you been able to do to help her? And how is this conversation right now helping her? And it might create a little bit of tension, but you are standing your ground in that and you are honoring the Lord in that. And that is not going to be forgotten by that person. They're going to remember that question and they're going to be challenged by it. And you might, with something as simple as that, cut short a horrible chain of events of gossip and tearing down that could take place. This can easily be applied to offenses as well. So if someone is really offended with someone and they come up to you and they're like, Ugh, I'm so frustrated with them. They've hurt my my feelings, da 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 Then you could just say, well... what have you done to talk to her about it? You know, when we were developing and discussing what we wanted this episode to be about, it's the ability to bear each other's burdens. It's the ability to carry your friend's burdens, to lead them to the cross. Cause that's ultimately what it is to bear someone's burden and to, and to carry their burden. It's to let them lean on you and you lead them to Christ. Because ultimately, truly, we really cannot carry everyone's burdens. We are not all powerful like God is. We are not limitless like God is. We are limited in our strength and in our compassion, in our empathy. Mm -hmm. And it's by walking by the Spirit, it's by following Christ that we are able to be the sister that we need to be for our friends, to be the wife that we need to be to our spouse. That's how we do that. That's how we can live out the calling that God has placed on us to carry each other's burdens and to bear each other's burdens. And this is going to be, as well, praying for each other. I mean, I cannot be emphatic about that enough. I mean, God who created us, who dictates our very breath, we can talk to him and he hears us. He hears everything that we have to say and he's listening and he desires to speak with us. The creator of the universe wants to speak with us. So in those moments, we can take 
the burdens of our family and the burdens of our friends and then lay them before the creator of the universe who cares. Mm -hmm. He cares about us. He cares about our family. He cares about our spouse more than we do. So ultimately, that is the best way that you can carry someone's burden and, and bear their burden is by bringing your knees to the throne of God and praying for them and interceding on their behalf. Yes, that's really good. And I want to read two verses. The first one is Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That is how we are to love one another and approach one another and walk with one another. And then Galatians 6.2 says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So you guys, if we're honest with ourselves, most of us know that we can be pretty fickle friends. We can distance ourselves from difficult people and situations. We can allow busyness to get in the way of our lives and prevent us from being present for the people who need us or or really just the people that we love and need to be around. And if someone seems too inconvenient or too demanding or too frustrating in that season, then we bail. And we find excuses and even legitimate ones because we have jobs and we have kids and we have families and we use those excuses to distance ourselves from these kinds of friends who are hard or they're in hard seasons. Yet Jesus is our example and he went and hung out with the broken sinners who were extremely immature, difficult, and even dangerous and ended up hanging him on the cross. And he didn't condone their sin but he didn't run from them either. He kept entering into the messiness of sinners as a faithful friend and a friend who loved at all times. Would you say that about yourself? Would you say that you are a friend who loves at all times? Instead of running or allowing the enemy to get into our minds when things get hard, we can be eager to lean in with brothers and sisters around us, those who are eager to bear our burdens regardless of how heavy or hurtful they may become. I just want to remind you that no one is okay on their own. Like we all think, oh, they've got it under control or, oh, I've got it under control. But that is not the truth. God has created us for fellowship. He's created us for relationships and community. It is crucial that we are surrounded with people, with other believers who can love us, point us to truth, even when we don't want to hear it, and graciously and gently walk alongside us in our moments of brokenness. So- I want to encourage you, be humble, be gentle, be patient with your loved ones, show your love with action, be physically and emotionally present for them, and also just give yourself grace and remember that you're only human throughout this process, but where you are weak, Christ is strong. So lean on Jesus for not only your own burdens, but for the burdens of your friends and your spouses. We love you guys. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Milk and Honey Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a second to visit our page on iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. It would mean so much to us. Your review helps the show to be found by other women like you, and it also helps us to continuously grow and become better as a podcast. For a daily pick-me-up, follow me, Lindsay, on Instagram at sparrowsandlily and amorous at amorousbeecher. Tune in next week for more laughter, fun, hope, and encouragement. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.